Hello, friends, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts, which uh, has nothing to do with Joe Fortunato, who is still... Apparently, Tom, by the way, I'm joined again by Tom Urch Jr. Tom, apparently newborns are difficult, is what I've heard. Can't fend for themselves, can't hold down a job. You know, their breath just reeks of uh, breast milk and gin. And, and vomit. They have just have a bad attitude. So bunch of slackers, if you ask me. You know what, baby Joe, you're hurting. You're hurting the show. If you if you might have noticed already that Tom sounds like he's been smoking like six packs a day right now. It's because he's not feeling well, but he's a trooper. Uh, you know, he's in the lineup to make a difference, much like Michael Haley. And you know, he's here despite despite having a little scratchy throat. Yeah, I show up, Joe. What's your excuse? Wow, Jesus. Tom sounds like a. Like that guy who... Remember when you were growing up and you had, like, a substitute bus driver? You, know, <laughs> you had, like, your substitute teacher. It's like, oh, we can, we can get away with anything. But the substitute bus driver was... This guy an ex-con? Like, it was always a man in his, like, early 60s who just looked like he was running on coffee and he probably works construction. And, you know, he has, like, knuckle tattoos. Anyway, um, Tom... We're both a little, I would say, cynical right now. I know I was recently reading our iTunes ratings, and apparently we get crapped on a lot for being too cynical. Um, so if you like our sense of humor, make sure to stop over at iTunes, give us a rating. Um, if you don't like our sense of humor, I guess uh, continue to rate us poorly. But uh, looking at what happened recently with the, the loss to the Senators, uh, do we start there, or do we talk about two kind of unexpected wins? Um, I mean, I think the Ottawa loss is the freshest thing, and I feel we can sort of, you know, talk about what went so badly in that game and then work our way backwards. So, yeah, uh, we were talking about it briefly before this, and the word I used was debacle. It's uh, a good word for this. Yeah, it's like I'm watching this game, and I'm just thinking in the back of my head. I remember how the first go-around went. Um, I had gone to Ottawa for the game, and, you know, it was a great time. And I'm saying to myself, the, the Senators are going to remember that, and they're going to just find a way. It's like these pesky teams that— Peugeot. Peugeot is just— Oh, my God. And like what's— Ghost of Christmas past, I swear to God. And that was the interesting thing. So, like, all major sporting arenas, like, they have those souvenir cups with the players on them. So the one that I had, I had got in Ottawa had Pajot on it. And I looked at him like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? This guy's, you know, giving me nightmares. That's a uh, moment, Tom. It's not good news. Yeah, I know. So maybe I, maybe I should have left it uh, up uh, across the border. But, yeah, it's... buried it in the woods. But, like, once... It's like they almost stopped skating last night, and I guess we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on it were, but the game, <laughs> it just, it's it sort of felt like disjointed after the fights. It was, you could, there was like a change of momentum, and it didn't help that I think in most cases, the Rangers ended up losing the better player, and this is, you know, not to be you know, mean to Ottawa, who is, for the most part, you know, skating uh, a very bad lineup. But that played into their advantage. And I don't know why D'Angelo felt the need to fight. And um, it was it was just a mess. And I, I don't get it at all. 
It's funny, I'm looking at the box score right now, and I just noticed on uh, you know, the highlight, the full game recap, is a very clear picture of 50 from Boucher Banner, our head moderator, just behind the net. Uh, oh, really? That's Yeah, just parked behind the, uh, the net in the, the, what's it called, the thumbnail of the video. That's hysterical. Um, I'll have to harass him after the show, ask him if he liked the view of like the worst from <laughs> the recent memory. Um, it, it's the craziest thing that I took away from this game, Tom, was that at one point the shots were 10 to 1 in favor of the Rangers. Oh, yeah, they were rocking and rolling, and it just went off the rails. And, like, if, you, if you're if you a Silver Linings person, this was Capo uh, Caco's first multi-point game, I believe. Um, so that's What cool. a night, too, for that to happen. Like, the poor kid, like, he's been struggling to sort of, you know... Uh, have some have some consistency and he you know he's been a lot better as of late and he gets his first you know career multi-point game and they get blown out so like you want to be able to be happy for yourself and celebrate these these small victories but like you don't want to be that guy when your team's getting their ass kicked so like just the poor kid's luck yeah, Panarin scored again. Um, like you mentioned, of course, D'Angelo's fight, and I really think this was a good example of a very effective pest in Brady Kachuk, who found a way to get the Rangers pest, uh, Brendan Lemieux, off his game. And generally speaking, I think like once things turned physical, the Rangers just got out of whatever rhythm they had early. And, you know, looking at... It was shocking that... You know, uh, I think Pajot scored the first goal for Ottawa. It was shocking that they got that goal at the time because the, it was just the Rangers game. And then they got a power play and they scored again. And, you know, looking at how things unfolded and just adding some delicious insult to injury, Tom, was Vlad Nemestikov scoring against the Rangers uh, to make it a 6-2 game after Panarin scored on the power play from... From Capocaco, which was great, because uh, like I'm, I'm having a lot of fun watching Capocaco. I know all about uh, you know the evolving Wilds. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what was it the goal above goals above replacement model had him as the worst player in the league when they tweeted about it. But I know I saw that tweet and I'm just saying to myself like fuck that nonsense. Like I I, I get it. You know they're doing their job, but it's like it's a little early. I mean you know it's a super small I, sample size. Like and, you know. Uh, you it's they're getting a reaction sure. out of people, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, it got people riled up. I saw it, it was all over the uh, the hockey subreddit and everything. But, yeah. Like, looking at looking at all that, like, you can tell when you watch Capo Caco, it's like, yeah, it's he is going to be a skilled guy because he does things in games, and, like, right now the underlying numbers aren't great, and, you know, even his boxcar stats aren't great. I think he's a minus 11 right now or something. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm just one of those people where... Even in my women's hockey work, where I, you know, I we have very few points of data to work with, I just ignore plus minus. In fact, this year I'm going out of my way to track uh, five on five on ice goal differential for the mm-hmm. NWHL because I just want something to talk about that isn't plus minus. But like him having a multi point game was great. The, the thing that disappoints me the most about this one, Tom, is the Rangers gave up for their goalie. Like, Georgiev got absolutely boned in this game. The the chances Ottawa have, and like, don't get me wrong, Georgiev has had better games, but considering the start he had to this season, 
And, you know, today we just had an article go up asking fans who they thought was the MVP of the team in October. And last I checked, we had 500 votes on it, I think. And, you know, Georgiev was getting a little bit of love there and deservedly Mm -hmm. so because he actually had a 924 save through October. And, you know, his play against Tampa, like, was so good. But, you know, we'll get to that in in a minute. But, yeah, like... D'Angelo's decision to fight, um, like, Lemieux finished this game with 17 penalty minutes. Well, yeah, I was just about to bring that up. The most interesting stat from that game is the Rangers had 36 penalty minutes, and Michael Haley had zero of them. Like, this is the type of game where, um, you know, you want to... Which begs the question, why is Michael Haley... Well, like... And I'm, I'm not going to even get on the guy because he didn't fight because it seemed like towards the end of the game, the the referees were trying to keep things uh, as together as they could. It, it was it was Kachuk and oh, it was Strom. That's who it was. Where Strom was, he was throwing gloved punches at uh, at Matthew Kachuk. Um, after Kachuk was on top of Georgiev and Kreider shoved Duclair, and it was just this big yeah. fuffle. And that to me was a like a little like a little microcosm of what happened in that game as just a you know as a clusterfuck. And that game definitely got away from the Rangers. It was a game it was ironic because, you know, they beat Tampa, they beat Nashville, two teams that, you know, are widely considered to be real cup contenders. And then Ottawa, who coming into the season, I would have told you, Tom, worst team in the league, and I would have told you I probably can't name twelve guys on the team. Uh, but they they kicked the Rangers' asses up and down the rink. Yeah, and I forget who had the tweet last night, and I, I, I kind of wanted to laugh about it, and I also kind of wanted to cry. It was something to the effect of, you know, talking about how it's so expensive to, you know, go to a game at Madison Square Garden, and you would hate to be one of those people that you see Ottawa on the calendar and go, oh, this team is not that great. I'm going to be able to go enjoy a nice game and not pay a lot of money. And then if you were one of those people there last night, like, you know, you probably got a good deal to get in the building, but, you know, you saw the team get their ass kicked. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, like 50 uh, did, apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just goddamn rough. Uh, let's talk... To, let's let's move on to positive things. We already mentioned, you know, of course, Capo Keko had mm-hmm. two points, both of which were primary, by the way, which is... A, Big game for him in what was otherwise a, a debacle. I think I like that, that choice of words by you. Um, and then I let's go to a really tight game that was extra fun because Philip Hedl scored his... For, you know, so good. Since our last show, Tom, Hedl scored in his first game up and scored in his second game up. And this game against Nashville, I think, in particular... Actually, you know what? He might have looked even better against Tampa. He, but he looked brilliant in both games. He kind of got lost in the mess along mm-hmm. with pretty much everyone else against Ottawa. But yeah, I mean, Ryan Strom had the game winner in this one. Um, and you know, the biggest takeaway from this game with Nashville is you know that Georgiev had a 32 save performance. You know, and allowed just one goal on the power play for Nashville. But holy hell, does Filipito look like a completely different? player than he did in preseason yeah he's uh he's playing with confidence and um 
it was during the pregame last night. They were going over specifically the Nashville game, and Valaket was talking about, you know, um, sort of like expected goals and how uh, before Heedle scored against the Predators, he had a couple of chances, and they were sort of low percentage shots. And he was sort of, the point he was trying to make is how he was sort of finding his rhythm on the ice so that when he finally did get that, that pass from Hayek, he was able to see that he would have a two-on-one, but instead of making the obvious play and passing across, he was able to get the defender to commit and then drag the puck behind him, and then he's caught flat-footed, and, you know, it it was beautiful. Yeah, he has been... I like I I don't know. It's one of those things where you know it's not like I feel like oh look we're vindicated because we were right saying about how it was time to call a pedal. But I do think he needed the wake up call after preseason, and it's it really there's no this is not a matter of like oh look you know I was right about this or anyone was right about this. This is just it's good news for the team short and long term. They need Philip Hedl to be a confident player if he's going to emerge to be a second line center. You know, so long as Mika Zibanejad's part of this organization. And watching him play the way he's played in two of the last three games is a really, really great sign. It's exactly what you want to see, and it's really just a continuation of what he was doing in Hartford. Um, I feel like it goes without saying that the Rangers were kind of not supposed to win either of these games, Tom. (laughs) Um, uh, In fact, the game in Tampa, Tampa got on the board first. And then I think it was Capo had the his goofy power play goal where it, it bounced off of a skate of a Tampa player net. It was like a like a pinball kind of a goal, um, which you know it was it was a good thing because you know maybe he needed something like that to get him going. And then what do you know? You know, two games later he has his first multi-point game, which was great. But uh, looking at these, you know, this it's such an interesting kind of little little small sample of three games to reflect on. Mm-hmm. Um, in what is going to this week, the week we're recording because we're recording on Tuesday night because uh, the Rangers played on Monday. It's it's a busy week for the Rangers. They have games on Wednesday and Thursday. And then, uh, what is it? Sunday. Yeah. So Kids Day. That's right, Tom. And I'll be going with my nephew, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, there you go. That's it's his fir- first hockey game. Yeah, so in what has been a... Oh, it's first hockey game? Yeah. First yeah. ever. It's going to be good. That's goddamn adorable. Um, yeah, but, that, you know, that's... Man, I'm trying to think of my first hockey game. I think it was Rangers and Canadians. I can't remember, though. Um, I know. Yeah, I think mine was in 1999. Uh, those were fun times, kind of, maybe. Depending on who you ask. Uh, the next two weeks, really, is... You know, starting Sunday with that Florida game, the Rangers have a game every other day. And then they have these, you know, three games in in four nights here. Uh, you know, we're recording after the first of those games. So on a, for a team that's had a really kind of kooky schedule, Tom, it's all of a sudden it's getting busy. And uh, unfortunately for the Rangers, they're going to play, you know, Tampa Bay again. And, you know, upcoming on Wednesday is Detroit and then Carolina. So... Sunday will be Florida, your your nephew's first game, then Pittsburgh, and then Florida again. And it's it's definitely an interesting trip around you know the Eastern Conference they're they're going through right here. And what strikes me about this is this team has been 
I think this team is, it's almost like they're going out of their way to confuse fans about what they're capable of. Um, you know, with how they started and then the the kind of disillusioning crash they've had. And now after 12 games, they're 5, 6, and 1. And, you know, you look at how they're playing, like the goal differential isn't too bad, but you look at the possession numbers and it's really, really, really bad. Um, because as, as is always the case, Tom, the Rangers have had great goaltending and really crappy defense. And it's been, I think... Maybe the biggest revelation, I think, since the last uh, since the last time we did the show is, you know, greater evidence mounting that maybe Libor Hayek isn't ready yet, and that's perfectly okay. That doesn't mean his career is over or that any anything of that nature. But to have him, you know, kind of be in the lineup um, when you know Mark Stahl has been a healthy scratch is is really interesting. Um, and I, I do very much like that, you know, they're letting the kids play, but it might be time, um, especially in Lieber Hayek's case, to, you know, to kind of sit him down. He did only play 1430 against Ottawa. So, you know, I think that is something that is starting to get noticed that he's beginning to struggle uh, because, you know, for the most part, his most common defensive partner has been has been Truba, and now we're starting to see things change back there. And the other thing that I kind of wanted to mention is how, although we did have one really bad play against Ottawa, I should mention, I don't think we've talked enough about the Adam Fox show on the show. I was hoping to pick your brain about that because he he also scored uh, a goal against Tampa, his first NHL goal. We didn't even get to touch on that one. Yeah, Fox is Fox has been very good and. The thing that I noticed through the first few games of the season is he had good results in terms of, you know, uh, you know, shot share possession, expected goals, and it was he was making the smart plays. He wasn't rushing. Um, he was using like I know one of the things that we had talked about, or I think more so, um, Adam had talked about uh, when they had acquired Fox was his skating. Not that he was a terrible skater. But how it was something, you know. There's an area for, where he wasn't a tremendous strength of his. Like, right. Skating was has never been his forte, and watching him play so far, that's definitely true. But I think the word you hit on there was smart. I cannot believe how smart this kid is. As yeah. A rookie. Exactly, and it's it's sort of when you're watching these players. Um, you know, it, at least for me, I try not to get too, too excited because you try to tell yourself, you know, regardless of how old they are, whether it's like they're 21 or 20 or, or, or whatnot, in the case of Fox, you know, he's an older player, you know, making his NHL debut. He's where 21 at, still. I mean, it's still, I know what you mean. He, he's not like the 18, 19-year-old, but for... Right, not the Kako. Yeah. yeah. For defensemen, we don't really see a lot of teenagers make it we see 20 and 21 year olds and i don't know he just seems his responsibility with the puck the decisions he makes and really the thing that's impressed me the most and this is mostly you know i haven't had an opportunity to look deep deep into the numbers only like you know just the basic you know what the score and venue adjusted you know course he looks like and mm-hmm. you know, what everything else looks like for fox and his numbers have been outstanding compared to the rest of the defense and frankly the rest of the skaters although unsurprisingly panarin's numbers have also been really good but for foxes just watching him play he's so much better in his own zone than i thought he was going to be tom 
Yeah, and it's I think part of the reason for that is that he just seems positionally sound and in in the sense of it building upon how skating was not his strongest suit so he when he's in the zone he's putting himself in a position where he can be most efficient because he doesn't want to give the opposition a chance to you know burn him so he is very um calculated in his movements even in situations where they look to move the play up the ice he doesn't commit too early um it's just a lot of little things and i think at times we we say you know some games they're not noticeable and that's a good thing because sometimes when a defenseman is noticeable it's them making a bad read or dropping down too early or snow angeling or you know whatever your you know favorite uh activity or you know way to describe it is um and and fox has just been good and personally i'm very interested to see um you know you had mentioned that they play detroit tomorrow or today if you're you're listening to this uh when it when it's uploaded um they play carolina on thursday and you know he was not drafted by carolina he was drafted by calgary and acquired by carolina and they tried to get him to sign so i'm wondering if the crowd what type of uh reaction they're going to give uh, fantastic mr fox wow tom fantastic i love by the way i love that movie um just as something to, to mention here in terms of score and venue adjusted relative course e4 for the rangers d pairs fox is a member of four of the top five pairs in terms of the positive uh, shot share guys, the Corsi four relative leading pairs in five on five score and venue adjusted. And, you know, the his most common partner as of right now, um, you know, for for what he's had has been has been Brady Shea. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're getting to see him. He's he's looked very good in, the, you know, this the numbers have been really, really good in the brief amount of time he's he's played with Tony D'Angelo. But uh, you know, it's it's been you know what, Tom? It just it's been really fun. Um, you know, and one of the things we talked about a lot heading into the season, or at least I know I talked about a lot, was you know, especially when people were so disappointed about Heedle and Kravstov not being on right. the main roster. I reminded people like there are three rookies on this team and two rookies on the blue line, and I think Libor Hayek has been pretty underwhelming. And like I said before, that's okay. Um, I also think Ryan Lindgren has looked really, really good in the brief amount of time he's been up. Um, but Fox has just been like the boxcar stats aren't there. Like he doesn't have a ton of points or anything, but the eye test, the underlying numbers, it's really, really promising for him. And that is fantastic news. Like, again, it's a 12 game sample size. It's not a ton of data to work with, but I'm mm-hmm. really, really enthused about how good Adam Fox has looked, what the numbers tell us, and you know, for him to have these kind of numbers on a defense that has been this much of a shambles is really, really comforting to think about. You know what? Because you know, when the Rangers made this trade, it was like, oh, you know, they might be giving up a, a lot for something that's an unknown commodity, but he's looked worth it so far. I mean, he's been every bit of what we would hope he would be, and you can kind of guess that. If he had more of that power play time, you know, those counting stats would also be better. Yeah, 
And, and the last thing that I would want to say about Fox is, and, and part of this is also, um, you know, just to tie a bow on it, is one of the reasons why I was excited about the prospect of having someone like Kravtsov on, on the roster, because my logic of thinking was, in the hierarchy of things to be concerned and excited about as a fan... Um, you have obviously the addition of a top pick in Capocaco. You had the addition of a top free agent in Artemi Panarin. And then that would have allowed someone like Kraftsoff to fly under the radar. I, I think in, in some respect, you've, you, the same rings true of having Kako and Panarin and Shruba on the roster, where while Fox is new not only to the team but to the league, that lessened pressure has allowed him to have uh, – a somewhat of a, a smooth transition and it's allowed him to sort of grow at his own pace um and and as you said as as his time on ice grows and now he's given more power play opportunities he could you know blossom into you know a really fine you know defender for uh the new york hockey rangers tom i kind of want to put you on the spot here sure i know you're working on a story i am I don't know when the story's coming out, so if I'm saying too much, just say, ep, 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 ep. give me one of those. Okay. Ryan Strom. Yeah, so yeah, this story should be out by the, uh, it's scheduled to go up on Wednesday. Okay, good. So. Then I'm not, I'm not punching a hole in your sailor. No, okay. you're not. So, I was looking at, when I was doing the, who the Rangers MVP for the month of October is I couldn't mm-hmm. help but notice a certain stat with Ryan Strom because it's a stat that we talked about a lot last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people might be saying, oh, is it the fact that he's a 54% face-off guy? No, it's, that's not the stat. Um, the stat is he is a 20% shooter mm-hmm. through 12 games after being a 22.5% shooter last season. Tom, what the hell is going on with Ryan Strom? So, yeah, so this is a story that I worked on a lot. um, And I'm interested to see the reaction that it gets because I have a feeling there might be some people that read it and say, well, this is kind of stuff that we already knew. But Mm. I felt it was worth going through the thought exercise because you have some people that are like, well, you know, you're talking about the shooting percentage nonsense, but you said the same shit about uh, Michael Grabner, and, you know, lo and behold, <laughs> he came back and did it a second fucking year in a row. And, you know... So you, far, Shrums fucking shooting. Yeah, so, like... So, basically, I wanted to go through, okay, let's, let's, let's say the shooting percentage is what it is, the points are what they are, you know, let's just except what they are at this moment in time is there anything in his past to suggest that he is a new man that he's 20 percent every season <laughs> right or or in or in a position even if he's not going to shoot you know 20 percent even if he, he shoots 15 14 13 percent meanwhile chris Kreider shooting 8.3 percent yeah exactly so let's let's just say if he can do double digits because you know in the past strome has been more of an assist guy um his career year yeah was that's right like when i when he became a ranger i wrote an article about setting realistic expectations for him yeah especially because it was very interesting comparing strom to spooner directly just because strom had a more 
a greater perception of a two-way game just mm-hmm. because frankly Spooner was so one-dimensional and such a perimeter player and such a like second power play unit guy that you want on your third line but frankly you want you do not want him anywhere in a situation where he doesn't have the puck on a stick like he's just a very inadequate defensive forward and right by comparison Ryan Strom looked like goddamn Yuri Lettinen you know um how about that for a callback, Tom? Uh, that's a that's a good one. I believe that's the last winger to win the Selkie Trophy. Wow! I vi- see. When you say that, I'd be like, "Oh, I knew that," but I wouldn't have. If you asked me who the last winger was, it would have taken me like five minutes. Yeah, because it seems like that's an award that's just been automatically given to centers because yeah, you just give it to centers now. Yeah, but like, yeah. Um, so with Strom, it was I wanted to go through this thought exercise and see, um, and the conclusion I came to is probably I'm not going to give it away here, but it's it's kind of what we thought, but it's it goes down to a perspective of what is the Rangers' expectations in terms of are they looking for an additional year to sort of bridge a gap within the top nine, are they looking for two years, um, because I believe that. It is quite possible that he could have a career year this year and he could have an equally good year next season. That's possible, you know, given the situation that he's in in terms of who he's playing with and how many minutes he's getting. But we have had Ranger recent Rangers history with a player sort of like Strom, and I say like, you know, loosely just in terms of how he came to the organization, where he was drafted, what his production was like, and the Rangers sold high on him, and it's a, it's one of the best trades that they've ever made. Um, so, you know, it, it, there's a lot to unpack um, overall, but it, it, I, it it's, it's tough because... I guess the line that I used is say the Rangers feel that they found this 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 you know this treasure right they sort of f- felt that way when they got Nemestikov in the McDonough deal they're like oh man this guy's having a career year and then they sort of felt the same way about Ryan Spooner like oh wow this guy wasn't even the main return in the Rick Nash trade and he's you know playing at a point per game place and they obviously uh they resigned him this is like the third time that they would feel like they found something and since they've gotten burned the last two times it's just best to like you know let him go and uh you know not think twice yeah the it's the thing that fascinates me the most about strom's strong start just in terms of the counting stats and you know at times he does he does show flashes of a guy who you can tell when he was a younger player why people were getting you know, so excited about him and the reason he was such a high draft pick. But when, you know, you look at the whole picture, he just doesn't seem to tie everything together. And I know... Exactly. One of the things that was really fascinating heading into the season were, were the number of players, or I should say, number of members of the media, and, and I saw, you know, some outspoken voices in, you know, Rangers Twitter talking about Strom as if he was a guy who might finally put it all together and kind of find his game, you know, this far, you know, this many years removed from his draft year. And, you know, like, the, the thing is, like, is it impossible, Tom? No, it's not possible. But Strom is 26 years old. It's... Yeah. Guys do not suddenly, you know, 
develop into a player they people thought they were going to be eight years ago. Like it, 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 that's just not the way that development happens. Again, not impossible, but and again, this this is not us dragging Ryan Strome. Like you know, I want to make it clear. Like the fact that he's doing better in faceoffs is great. The fact that he you know, is contributing to the offense and has shown at times to not look completely lost in a top six role is great. But I think overall, that's not what's best for him or best for the Rangers. Yeah. Especially so, if it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be in the long-term plans of this organization. He's a pending RFA. If he can play like this up until February and, you know, the deadline, then yeah, it's nothing but good news. So I'll give one example away. So one example I used was Derek Broussard. Derek Broussard, as, an, as a 23-year-old with the Columbus Blue Jackets, set a career high in points of 47 in 74 games played. That was his career high for a number of years. Then, at age 27, his second full season with the Rangers, he had 60 points. The following year, as a 28-year-old, he did not have a career high in points, but he had a career high in goals at 27 and since that point in time his his points by season 46 38 23 uh and now this year he has seven points in 13 games with the islanders so he's fallen off a cliff and there were a lot of ranger fans who were very upset when they traded Derek broussard for um mika zibanejad and that trade has been like one of the biggest things to uh in terms of the context of this build where they got a you know a legitimate number one center for someone whose best hockey was clearly behind them yeah that's uh, that's a really good example to me because Broussard is a guy who when he was here he looked great but a lot of people forget he looked really great in a third and second line role like he wasn't necessarily a guy who all of a sudden became, you know, a first-line center. He felt like the 1B center behind Stepan at his kind of peak. And I miss Derek Broussard, but looking at the player he's become now, and, you know, it's he's now with the Islanders, actually, and it is it is a no-brainer that the right decision was made there. And, and they're playing him on the wing, it. I believe, yeah. with the Islanders. And it's kind of, you know, a, you know maybe a precautionary tale about not falling in love too much with a guy like Ryan Strom and enjoy him while he's here and all that's good stuff. But yeah, it, 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 he has become a, like in a roster full of fascinating like storylines. The Ryan Strom story just continues to have all these twists and turns to it, Tom, because he's, he's shooting 20% again. <laughs> like I can't wrap my head around that. It's, and, you know, I'm sure some people will be like, why is that so hard to believe? It's like, well, you know, in his first full season, uh, you know, in his last full season, I should say, before he became a Ranger, he shot 8.8%. The year before that, he sh- and that was his only full season with Edmonton, by the way. The year before that, 11.4%. And that was his career high. So his career high in a sample size of 69 games in 2016-17 was 11.4% shooting. Which is pretty good. Like, yes. Like, for, for example, someone like Chris Kreider is at somewhere where you might expect him to be. So to have Strom bat, you know, one out of five shots he takes goes into the net is not sustainable and also just kind of kooky. 
Well, yeah, and it's like the thing that people like to bring up from time to time is, well, there are players that have these, you know, um, absurd, you know, shooting percentages. Or the, you have, like, you know, these players like, you know, Alex Ovechkin where, you know, one year they're 15% or whatever. Like, or, But, like, the thing is you have these players that have these, you know, really high shooting percentages. It's because they take a lot of fucking shots and they score a lot of goals where Ryan Strom... The most shots that he's had in a single season was his second year in the league, was 179. Um, you know, last year with the Rangers, he he only took 80 shots, and 18 went in the net. So like, he doesn't shoot the puck a whole lot. He doesn't he's, even attempt a lot of shots, really. That's the yeah. thing that stands out to me the most is that you know when I was looking at you know because I looked at stuff like you know just individual Corsi four. At all strengths, individual Corsi 4, Strom ranks ninth on the team. Zabinijad has still shot three more shots than him, and he hasn't played in the last three games. Or rather, I should say, has attempted He's, three more shots. Right, yeah. And it's like, so, it it, it cuts both ways. And, and it's not that, you know, it's a, a one-size-fits-all, like, oh, if you have an absurd shooting percentage, it's, you know, 100% unsustainable, but it's more so a facet of his game, you know, as you pointed out earlier in that initial story you wrote for Banner, where he was more of a passer, but who could score goals, but this year, he's been in that mode where, you know, he's looking to score goals, and, you know, when you're playing with someone with, like, Artemi Panarin, and you're getting that, you know, those looks on the top line, you know, that's what you're going to look to do. Yeah, as it turns out, Artemi Panarin's a good line mate to have. Uh, I didn't, you know, that one is not a surprise for us, Tom. But that's kind of that's where we are right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we we covered a lot. It was it was there's a lot to talk about, really, just because you know it was just three games to talk about. There hasn't been any significant roster moves um, or or anything like that. Uh, you know, the I think it's it's also worth mentioning. Um, you know, since our last show. Uh, Igor Shosturkin was named the goaltender of the month in the AHL, which is just awesome news. And uh, I think it was Shayna who helped me figure out that he is, for those who are curious, uh, he is not a rookie um, in the AHL because if you play 100 games in a elite European league, for instance, the, the KHL, uh, you don't qualify as a rookie. So... Uh, if for those who are wondering, you know how he might compare to other rookies, even though you know he's the age of of some of the other rookie goalies in the league, he doesn't qualify as a rookie because of that. Yeah, he's a rookie by reputation, um, but not you know by classification. Not classification, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same same word choice. Yeah, not classified as a rookie, but uh, you know since you know looking at I'm trying to remember was you know, it's, you know the Rangers have. You know, things continue to go very well in Hartford. Just to touch on the Wolfpack for a second. Um, eight, one, and three. Uh, so one regulation loss. And, you know, they've they've lost their last three games, technically. Two of which uh, were shootout losses, though. So Without their number one center in Filipino. Yeah. Uh, so missing Filipinos definitely have an impact, Tom. But Hartford Wolfpack. Most points in the NHL still. Yeah, and it's it's good to see. Um, and I'll be interested to see because I think it was I was on Twitter or Instagram today. I think the Rangers, um, you know, social media team they they paid Igor a visit, so we'll probably have some you know nice little interview go up, which would be nice to see him, you know, because he's played very well. 
Yeah, I've been really, really encouraged and enthused by Igor's play, especially because I like the amount of people who Huska too. Of, yeah, Huska's also been very good. That's true. Uh, the amount of people who made a mountain out of a molehill in terms of his his just you know save percentage and everything at Traverse City made me lose my mind. And if I wasn't already bald, I probably would have become bald. And then he looked really promising in preseason, <laughs> and to see him yeah. play this well. I really want to see him get a, a little cup of coffee up in the NHL soon. Um, I think that would be good for his confidence, even if you know it's made very clear to him, like, "Hey, look at this," and you know, you earned it. You know, a taste of the NHL, and here we go. Yeah, and and it's pretty funny. It's just all the people that are like, "We told you he was a byproduct of being on a stack team uh, during Traverse City," and it's like, "Yeah, no, he's actually a pretty good goalie." Yeah, quite, quite good. Um, I think we should move on to to off the post, Tom. But what I need you to do is fill time while I bring up the list of patrons because I don't have that ready. Sure. So what I'll do is, because I forgot this the last time, so um, I live in Orange County, and it's that time of year where Have it's... you seen the bear again? That's, what, that's all I really want to know. So I haven't seen the bear again, but there have been some bear sightings in my area. And it's kind of funny because I'm a part of like this local Facebook group and it's all these people complaining about a bunch of different things. The right and to bear arms and you all have weapons and you chase bears. And it's like someone will be like, oh, you know, a bear got into my garbage again. And then there will be this one neighbor with no filter be like, well, why did you leave it outside uncovered? Like... The bears have noses. They can smell it. You got to put it in your garage. Well, well, that's what had happened with us. Like we had forgot to put one of the barrels in our garage, and um, my mom did had. Tom, or did you forget? Um, I'm not gonna throw anyone in particular <laughs> under the bus. Um, was your nephew going to his first game. So um, it was a, it was a situation where my mom had made chicken and she had like the styrofoam container and the juices that like we put it in the the one of the cans and chicken the ba- the bear smelt it he knocked the thing over he dragged the bag out and then he just got up and left like a bastard like I guess he didn't like it so that was a lot of fun uh, the next morning to pick up well well done you filled time appropriately. I, I mean, it's a black bear. It's not like a crazy bear. We have, I'm sure, plenty of listeners in New York who, in northern Jersey, who live with, mm-hmm. with black bears. If you, I, I want more bear stories in my life that don't end with, you know, I need facial reconstruction surgery. And with that note, uh, thank you, a big thank you to all of our patrons. Um, as always, you guys, without you, the show doesn't really work, um, you know, because it takes a lot of time to do. And, you know, especially when something like, you know, Joe is unable to do it, it's... It's a big help when Tom steps up, but also it's a lot of work for me to carve out the time and to prepare for the show because when Joe's not around, I try to prepare for the show, even though I didn't have your names ready. But here we go with the names. Adam Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Amriel Kistner, Andre Chicago, Anthony McCauley, or Machali? I'm going to say Anthony McCauley. Uh, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Bjornor. Oh, boy. You know what? I love, I love that we have... These, these wonderful people. Bjornor Austerheim. I'm so sorry, sir. Uh, Bob Kyle, Bobby Callan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Dan Rosie, Dan Zapper, Daniel Jen, Danny Santiago, David Baird, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Lippman, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, Jeffrey Stein, Jermaine Francis, 
Joe's first BSB patron named Joe. Johnny Reppy, Johnny Olo, Jordan Sassone, Keith Franchillo, Kyle Napolitano, Napolitano, Kyle Napolitano. You're a new patron, I've already ruined your name. Uh, Matt from Brooklyn, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, my boys. Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landolt, Samuel Volga Seidenberg, Stephanie Benvengo, Stieg Bjolbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Thomas Osa, Toy for Manhattan, Trevor Kempner. Tom, I realized about one third of the way down the list that I was reading every single patron's name. Then I had to adjust it to the names I'm supposed to read. So That's okay. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a human being, folks. You are just, a human being. You're like doing you. the best that you can. Doing the best I can. I and that's all you I can, can ever try out, for. See if I can edit out Tom clearing his throat. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry about that. I th- I guess I had muted myself, and then I thought I didn't mute myself, and I unmuted myself. So, if you end up hearing it, you know, sorry. <laughs> I'm a human. Yeah, we're I'm all, doing the best I can. We're all just doing the best we can. And with that, we hope the Rangers do the best they can and against... Uh, Detroit and Carolina. Tom, are they going to win either of those games? I think they will. They'll split. I think they're going to lose both those games. And with oh that, boy! Actually, you know what? They should beat Detroit. They're the worst team in the league now after Ottawa won. Yeah, but Ottawa beat the Rangers. Huh? Well, yeah, that's my. That's sort of like what I was going for. So I, I think they'll pull Carolina's the upset in tough. Carolina. They should be able to beat Detroit. Yeah, that's what I hope at least. I don't even know what Detroit calls goaltending anymore. And with that. We bid you adieu. Joe is well.